Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235. And let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yay, bus people. Yay. Wow. No rain tonight, so they're happy. Yeah, yeah. No rain. And the official, uh, we're we're officially in fall now. Autumn, autumn, fall, fall. Yeah, autumn so. ball. Yeah, and so they're happy about that too. So, and they've got good wine as always, because whenever the bus people come, we always treat them well with good wine. So, so no wonder they're happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta check this. <laughs> gotta check this weather out because my phone is telling me it's 92 degrees outside. The feels like temperature is 99. That really? Right. Yeah. That that seems 90. odd. We are in fall. You just mentioned that we are in fall. So that can't be right. And, Something, something's wrong. <laughs> it's actually saying it's it's 91 degrees and and 52 percent humidity. Yeah. Um, but the humidity's yeah, down. You know, for us that's the, down. So yeah. that's why it feels so cold outside. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you know, we don't have that 98 percent humidity with it. You know, so that's, that's true. Yeah. That's why the that's it's autumn. I mean, you know, humidity leaves in autumn. So. Yep. So that's why the chill is in the air. <laughs> I gotta put the heat on. Yeah. Let me turn the heater on for a minute here. Yeah. Um, well, you well, you got those heated seats on the car, which you're gonna have to activate here. Oh, that's, that's fantastic! It works yeah. out great. Um, welcome to the show. It is uh, Thursday, September uh, something twenty seven, and um, wow, we're live. We got topics to discuss. Yeah, um, and here we go. Yeah, another yeah, another day in paradise. Got a few things to talk about this evening. Just miscellaneous, uh, as always. I'm going to talk to you all a lot about uh, the history of the TTB labeling program. Uh, interesting. I was going to paraphrase the whole thing through for you, but I just I decided that instead I just might go through the article and read most of it. But I have some things to talk about before. First. Time for a little bit of trivia. I always do the the trivia uh, as I'm until I run out of this whole stack of trivia things here. So, first one: Middle Pilot. Middle Pilot. It states here is an insider term you're likely to hear if you hang around with winemakers long enough. Trained as they are to want wine to be complete experience on the palate. That is one continuous sensation without any gaps in flavor. 
Winemakers often think of certain grape varieties in terms of where they impact your palate first. Zimmendel, for example, is often said to be a front palate variety. The biggest part of the sensation comes the first couple of seconds in, it's in your mouth. Cabernet Sauvignon is often considered an in-palate variety. Its greatest impact comes with the finish. For middle-palate varieties, such as Syrah, the impact comes somewhere between the first few seconds and the wine's finish. Middle-palate varieties are appealing because they give the impression that the wine has a solid core of fruit flavors. So there you go. That's it's an interesting little thing there. I read these before, and I thought, well, that's that's something that everyone should look for in their wine, if it's a front, middle, or back palate sensation. So, And then, speaking of palate, how about a cellar palate? A cellar palate is something a winemaker gets from tasting his own wine hundreds, maybe thousands of times without the benefit of tasting other wines. Pretty soon, he has a myopic view of wine and the flavor flavors wines possess. For example, a Sonoma County winemaker with a cellar palate might think a French uh, Gingondas, I guess, is bad when, in fact, the Gingondas tastes perfectly correct. It just doesn't have to taste like a Sonoma County wine. In a sense, you can get a cellar palate, too, if you drink if all you drink is one type of wine from one place, say a Chardonnay from Napa Valley, then your palate may soon be skewed. All of a sudden, a German Riesling or anything else you taste will seem disappointing, not because of its inherently disappointing, but because it doesn't taste like Napa Valley Chardonnay. So be careful of developing a cellar palate. Having one means you'll miss the richness, pleasures, and diversity that makes wine so fascinating in the first place. And that is an excellent point. Simply because I have people used to come in the wine all the time. And they say, oh, all we, all we drink is this or all we drink is that. We just we don't drink others. We don't branch out. We don't do others. And I would gently scold them on that simply because you know, you're missing out on so many different wines out there, and you're, you're, you're comparing everything to what you buy. So, therefore, everything is not up to what you think is the standard. So, give all sorts of other wines a chance. Give them an opportunity, and don't stay with one all the time, because it can create a uh, disappointment in other wines. Fire Tracker. Let's talk about the fires out west for a little bit. They are still raging. The smoke, though, is blowing to the west, and so it's not affecting the whole lot of the nation. Smoke uh, last week was all over the country. Uh, it, it was affecting almost half the country. Uh, the smoke right now is really, most of us out in the Pacific Ocean, blown away from everything. A little bit of the fires in uh, Colorado, uh, not Colorado, Wyoming. No, that's not Wyoming either. Yes, it is. That's Montana. A little bit of fires in Wyoming are blowing east, but mostly smoke is going west. Big fires are in Oregon. We have uh, the Natchez fire in Oregon, 3,600 or 36,000 acres. 
Uh, the Klondike Fire, 157,000 acres is burning. The Taylor Creek Fire in Oregon, these are all in southern Oregon too, 52,800 acres. And uh, the Miles Fire in Oregon, 54,334 acres. So then uh, also in Oregon, the uh, Televinger, our Televinger fire, 11,300 acres. So there's some big fires in Oregon right now. Most of the country, the fires are less than uh, 10,000 acres, which is not to say that those are small fires, but most of them are small. The Mendocino fire, the one that was so bad in California, is completely controlled, uh, although they're still concerned about smoke taint. We talked about that a little bit last week. The, the Delta fire, which is uh, the far northern uh, Delta, is way north of San Francisco, Sacramento. That's 62,504 acres in California right now. So that's, that's the biggest one in, in California. But there are quite a few fires around the country. Currently, there's 59 large fires burning in the country it's, it's uh, not counting some of the small ones uh, the western slope of Colorado does have a big fire the bull draw fires 36,600 acres so um, most of the other ones are, are down a little bit smaller than that uh, and not not awful big well, wait a minute I just saw one here in Utah that's the Pole Creek Fire, which is 1,800 1, acres, almost 900. So, but 59 fires burning across country, a lot of them are being controlled every day. This is up to date as of, actually as of this afternoon, what I just read you there. So, uh, some of the bigger ones are still trying to control. Smaller ones are getting under control pretty, pretty quick. So, uh, if you smell smoke, it's might be a local fire and most of this smoke is going west so you shouldn't get or have any problems with that a couple of things here the uh, I, I received a, a couple of postcards one was for the San Francisco International Wine Competition I got that every year I've been to this international wine competition in San Francisco not as a, a participant but as an attendee, and I'll tell you, it's fantastic. If you are out in that area, if you're out in San Francisco, coming up on, well, wait a minute, that doesn't listen on, I'm, I've just pulled up the website, and it's not on the website. If you want to check out the website, uh, by the way, you can go to www.sfwinecomp, S-F-W-I-N-E-C-O-M-P.com, and it has information about it. This is coming up in, jeez, I don't see it on this. It might be on this. Uh, 2018, entrance. Uh, competition will be held November 17th to November 19th. So uh, coming up pretty soon, a month and a half away. Results will uh, be... Uh, published but it's a pretty big competition uh one of the biggest ones in the west besides the los angeles one it is uh this competition is being held san francisco competition being held since 1980 
and reaching uh, all sorts of uh, people around the country. The uh, people who enter this are getting their names publicized everywhere. It's a pretty big thing. It's a blind tasting competition, and the panel is uh, quite a diverse panel of judges. Go to the website. And you can see uh, it lists the judges, it lists the information for entering it, how to enter, and uh, the rules and everything. And the results, if you want the results, you can, uh, on the site too, it tells you uh, the procedure for that and uh, everything there. They have best of nation uh, competitions. They have all sorts of stuff. So best of show just a bunch of stuff on there, and it explains everything on there. But if you're a winery and you want to enter, then, again, go to sfwinecomp.com, and it will tell you everything you need to know to become a, a participant in this. Or if you're just out in that area and you want to go to it, it's well worth your time and effort to check that out also. Receive something else. This is let's see where I want this. Okay, that goes there. Uh, this is a little postcard I got. It is from the Science Division of Surrey Community College in Dobson, North Carolina. And I I've never received anything from them before. I don't know why, because I received all sorts of different notifications for competitions, but this one's from Surrey College in North Carolina. It's a Symposium Surrey Community College, uh, Southeastern United Grape and Wine Symposium. Their website is symposium, S-Y-M-P-O-S-I-U-M dot Surrey S-U-R-R-Y dot E-D-U. But I went to their site. There's no information on the card. It says early registration costs $100 until September 30th. It says register now. Uh, so basically that's all it said. Well, I went to their site and it was like, oh my gosh, I never realized. I never, n- never knew. Surrey Community College is a viticulture and analogy college in North Carolina. Uh, Shelton Badgett, North Carolina Center for Viticulture and Enology. And it is quite a place. Uh, if you look at the website, you'll see all sorts of stuff. Uh, they serve the grape and wine industry, not only in South uh, North Carolina, but also the entire Southeast by providing workforce training and industry support. It was completed in 2009 and houses a state-of-the-art commercially bonded winery. It's a $5 million complex. It was funded by uh, North Carolina General Assembly Appropriation, uh, uh, prop- appropriations uh, for the North Carolina college system and by North Carolina state bonds and by private donations. And the winery teaches everything. It is a a phenomenal school and beautiful 
facility. They have some pictures of the thing around and all that. Just absolutely a great place. It has assembly halls, classrooms, climate-controlled wine cellar, microbiology lab, teaching winery, wine resource library. They also have their uh, vinicultural program, or vin program, uh, which is preparing individuals for a career in the great growing and winemaking industry. Uh, uh, degrees and diploma options, enology certificate track, viticulture certificate, marketing certificate. Uh, all this is available to it. And it's, it says community college here. Now, they say certificate tracks in some of these areas. These are, you know, your first two years before you move on, I'm sure, to get your final degree but it's going to teach you a lot of stuff there. They also have Surrey Cellars. Like I said, it's a full-fledged winery, and they have a winery. Uh, that's what they do, which is wise of them, because I guess if you're going to teach viticulture and if you're going to teach enology and you're going to grow grapes and you're going to make wine, you might just well have yourself a winery so that you can do that. And I didn't know this existed. That's why I was so excited about this when I pulled this up, uh, when I got this postcard, because... This is it. This is everything. You, you hear about UC Davis and UC Fresno and stuff like this. Here's an East Coast one for anyone on the East Coast is looking at it. And I'm sure this is not a four-year degree. I, from what I understand, it's just a two-year degree. But it's going to give you so much working knowledge and all that. And it's going to give you a lot of insight to it. So if you want to transfer to one that will complete your degree, you can do so. There are wines that they make. It's uh, all locally grown, but they have an Ab uh, Albarino, which is, uh, they say it has flavors of blood orange peel, underripe peach, kiwi, passion fruit combined with nicely hints of minerality and acidity along with the complementary salinity, which seems like an awful big mouthful for a wine, but I've never really can say I've had an Albarino wine, so that may be a standard for that wine. I don't know. Um, the tasting note says aromas of honeydew, melon, nectarine, and jasmine. Uh, good for them. I, I don't know. They have a Blue Ridge Bubbles wine that uh, is uh, an off-dry sparkling wine made with 100% aromelia. Aromella, A-R-O-M-E-L-L-A, -E uh, another grape I am not familiar with. Uh, then they also have a uh, an award-winning Blue Ridge White, which this is 100% Tremonet, which gives you an off-dry taste. That's what they say, off-dry wine. I've had Tremonet. If made well, it's excellent. I'm sure they make these well. Uh, they offer a Chardonnay. Then they have what they call a Duo, which is 50% Cabernet Sauvignon and 50% Petit Verdot, which sounds like a great combination. Then they have a Iced Petit Mansing. M-A-N-S-C-N-G. Again, another grape I'm not aware of. But the grapes are frozen after harvest to concentrate the sugars. Just like an ice wine, only they just take it in and throw it in the freezer and freeze them. So, 
you know, basically the same principle as an ice wine. Uh, they make a sweeter wine here. There's no prices or anything on these. I'm sure you can get them at the the uh, college or there's places all around North Carolina that sells them. They have a list there of a whole bunch of different places, including restaurants and stores and and uh, uh, wine shops and different things. They also have a lot 152 wine, which is a, a blend of 85% Petite Mansing, 10% Chardonnay, and 5% Tramonette. And it looks like, and I haven't looked at these closely, but yes, these are, uh, it looks like the top of all these bottles are sealed with a crown closure, like a beer closure. Uh, you pop it off like a beer cap. That's what they look like anyway. Uh, it doesn't say I didn't read the whole thing. Uh, they have a Lot 153, which is 100% Petite Minzing. And it says spent four years in Tarage. And then a Merlot, which is 100% Merlot. This is aged three years in oak. And then last on their offerings is what they call a trio. And the trio is... Uh, equal parts of Merlot, Tempranillo, and Syrah. And that was aged for three years in oak also. That sounds interesting. Very, very much so. So these are the ones offered by Surrey Community College. Surrey Cellars is what they're called. I don't know about shipping. Uh, it doesn't say anything. If you want to check out the website again, ncviticulturalcenter.surrey.edu that uh, gives you the site right there or you can call them at 336-386-8121 and that will get you the college there again I don't know if they ship but interesting site interesting concept and just really I was quite fascinated with uh, when I found this and all this on here so something to to check out if uh, you're in that area or if you're around there anywhere. While I'm speaking of different wineries and stuff, uh, let me give you some updates or what's happening in some wineries out there. Keith Joshua Vineyard, this uh, in, is again in Arizona, uh, has uh, Keith Joshua Vineyards and Las Vegas Steak Ranch Wine Dinner, which is October 13th. It's about three weeks away. Uh, Las Vegas, V-I-G-A-S, Steak Ranch Restaurant, is uh, coming out to Keith Jospers to prepare a four-course food and wine pairing dinner in the vineyard. Six o'clock in the evening, October 13th, $60 per person, $10 off if you're a wine club member. Limited space. So RSVP by getting a hold of kjvineyards at gmail.com or 520-455-5582. 
they're having uh, all sorts of goodies here. The dinner consists of glazed double cut pork chop or bone-in filet paired with uh, gorgonzola mac and cheese with twice-baked potato. Cheesecake for dessert. They're having salad, uh, the spinach, strawberry and spinach salad. Uh, appetizers is Neiman Ranch Thick Cut Slab Bacon for an appetizer. Why, that's, why doesn't more people do that for an appetizer? That sounds good. So, Keith Joshua Winery. Again, if you need to get a hold of them, uh, you can uh, call them or email them. Keith Joshua, KJ, K J Vineyards.com. Um, okay, oops. Hit the wrong button there. Went out of that page completely. Now I need to wait for it to come back to me. All right, there it is. This is something that I, I keep getting announcements for it, uh, leading up to it. A Women's Wine and Spirits Award. They had a competition, the world's most important wine and spirits competition, judged by women buyers. Uh, this is... Uh, the uh, WWSA is what it's called, Women's Wine and Spirits Award. Uh, the results are out. It, over 1,000 samples were tasted by leading female wine buyers at the Royal Yacht Club in London. It will be held in April 2019, the next one. Early bird rates, if you want to submit your wines, any women out there, or make a wines list of this. Uh, early bird deadlines is October the 7th. Sample deadline, October 29th. And tasting date is April 16, 2019. So these are this year's dates on the early bird and, and uh, fine. Act now. Get in there. WWSA. Take care of all custom clearances for both wine and spirits. So you simply send your samples by any international courier to WWSA UK Bonded Warehouse. And they will, they will take care of all the other stuff from there. So that's a good deal. But if uh, you women, we talked to uh, uh, what was her name in Australia? What's her name? Sonia. Sonia. Sonia, Australia, she's a grower. She enters this every year, and she says it's a great competition. She she loves it, and she's been to a couple of them and absolutely just loves the chance of meeting everybody and all that. It, it's the Women's Wine and Spirits Awards is the world's most important wine experience competition judged by women. Organized by CWSA, it is responsible for 1 billion bottles sold since 2006. That's by CNN says that entrants are judged by the world's leading female wine and spirits buyers in London. Uh, their uh, entrants and winners are showcased on the website. Uh, the, the winners of the Women's Wine and Spirits Awards receive the winner's pack, which includes official certificates, artwork of medals, press release suggestions, and further recommendations to promote it. And trophies are awarded to the highest-rated wine and spirits. So uh, it is a uh, quite a 
competition. And the 2018 results are out. They've rated over 1,000 samples from 38 countries around the world. And uh, Domaine Shandong, uh, McAllen, Wakefield Taylors, uh, Zanti's Footsteps, all these are some of that were in the competition and that uh, were part of the competition. So it's a thing. If you want to check out this site, uh, I'll tell you what I do. I'll, I'll, I'll put the I'll put a link of this up so you can check it out and check out the winners and see a little bit more about it. But it's a cool thing. I, I'm just really I'm I'm 100% for this stuff like this. I've uh, donated some some stuff to it before to help promote it, and I, I think it's a great thing. So I'll, I'll get this up on. Uh, Facebook page, and y'all can check that out there. Okay, and then a couple more wineries that, that I want to tell you about is Whispering Oaks. Whispering Oaks weekend special uh, by case uh, Bogo. Uh, they had uh, Weekend special, free case of wine. Uh, make reservations and join them for a steak night and get buy one case of wine, get one free. September 28th and 29th, 5 to 9. Live music uh, with a group called Take Two, Sean Ash and the Muds. Good deal. Buy a case, get one free. That's That's really wow. Uh, easy to do it, three easy steps. Make reservations for steak night, enjoy steak dinner, live music. Buy one case of wine, get one case free. And you must be, uh, must attend the steak dinner to get the free case of wine. But hey, what a deal! Steak dinner consists of uh, award winning steak or wall clock. 12-ounce Alaskan salmon, um, Idaho baked potato, green beans, uh, baked beans, salad bar, uh, ciabatta bread, only $27.50 per person plus tax and gratuity. And if you say, I don't want to spend that much for a meal, then knock the cost in half and figure the other half is going for your free case. So what a deal. So that's coming up on September 28th and 29th, which is this weekend, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is the 27th, so tomorrow and Saturday, uh, 5 to 9. If you're interested, give them a call at five 352-748-0449 or visit them at winesofflorida.com. And it's really a nice setting out there, Mike. Uh, 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 and... His wife visited that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's a really beautiful place out there. And and when you start going in the evening, and uh, just they have a fireplace pit and all sorts of stuff they light up, and it's just it's really a nice atmosphere. So, so uh, good food and a case of wine for free when you buy one, and all sorts of good stuff coming up this weekend. So uh, keep that in mind. Jeez, uh, oh I keep getting the wrong number, the wrong button, and clicking out of the page I want to be on. Uh, okay, it's coming back. 
Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Whispering Oaks. Whispering Oaks also has another event coming up not too far in the future here. Uh, on October the 13th, they are, uh, Whispering Oaks is hosting a wine and design with Scooter the DJ and Fifi's Cakes and more for an evening of appetizers, wine, and amusement with desserts and a silent auction. All of this is to benefit pancreatic cancer awareness. Good cause. And something that money goes to all sorts of other cancer research and pancreatic cancers, just as serious as all the others. That's coming up on the 13th of October, 6 to 10. And uh, no credit cards accepted for this cash for check only. And it's uh, actually going to make the check payable to Jody Braga and note pancreatic cancer fundraiser. Um, that will give you a tax deduction on it. Uh, what's included? Swedish meatballs, spinach dip, sauces, uh, chips and salsa, cheese and vegetable display on the buffet, uh, bruschetta and spanakopita will be passed on tray. Dessert bar uh, includes Fifi's cupcakes and more. And they will have Scooter the DJ doing some entertaining for you all to benefit pancreatic cancer. So, again, mark your calendars. October 13th, Whispering Oaks Winery. If you want to check out the website on that, it is, I have no idea. Why don't they put their website so I can read them here real fast? Um, Winesofflorida.com. There you go. So, good event this weekend and then coming up in uh, a couple of weeks on the 13th. Uh, they have that, uh, that event happening. Okay, let's uh, let me cover a couple of things here that I want to talk about. Uh, the here uh, Let me see here. to take its sweet old time to do stuff at times and it's one of those times where it is taking its sweet old time um, alright here we go alright uh, carriers are trashing wine shipments I, 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 this caught my eye because I've had wine shipments trashed and it, it's irritating but carriers are starting to trash it themselves now UPS and FedEx are starting to confiscate and destroy shipments that are going to out-of-state consumers that are not authorized to have them shipped to their state. It's uh, legal, totally legal. They're getting shipping from retail stores uh, to and from New York, uh, and it's illegal to ship out and to them, and so they are destroying them. They are 
not returning them. They said it's up to their discretion if they want to return them or if they just want to have them destroyed. And they uh, are destroying them. UPS does not confiscate cons- customers' packages, uh, as is stated in the UPS tariff terms and conditions. But they reserve the right to dispose of any alcoholic beverages tendered for shipment, which shippers are prohibited from shipping, which UPS is not authorized to accept, or which UPS has the right to refuse. So they they really use that to the fullest extent. I've had cases of wine destroyed before and gotten back just some broken glass. I have shipped wine, well, shipped wine to my daughter in Utah. Utah's tight. And I received back one bottle that was in good shape and the other one was shattered in the box and no explanation or anything why they didn't go ahead and deliver the wine. I shipped a bottle of wine within the state to Mike and it was returned to me broken and shattered and uh, one of the bottles, there was two in there and one was returned to me broken and shattered. So the UPS just sort of like at their discretion does whatever the bloody hell they want to do, I think, at times. And they don't owe you explanations or anything. I have put in claims for some of these shipments and all that. And most of the time, I'll get another notice saying, you know, fill out this claim form and justify all the monies and everything you're claiming and all. And... I have gotten some compensation, but I've never gotten actually what any of the shipments that I've ever sent out were worth. So, you know, uh, and UPS is doing that, or FedEx is doing that now, too. If you're going to ship something, check the laws, check what you're shipping, check what you're doing, because if you don't and you go through these carriers, it's very possibly could be stopped or not delivered or any other things. If you are shipping stuff, check with the person you're shipping it to and be sure that they are getting it. And that's, you know, uh, there's other ways to get around it. There's other ways you can do. I'm not going to say it over here because then they'll say, hey, wait a minute, you can't say that. But if you want to know stuff, email me. I'll give you some ideas. Um, So, you know, what can we do on that? That's what they're going to do. And that's, you know, they make enough money anyway. And I've shipped stuff to different people, and they've shipped it back. You know, on the UPS has shipped it back to me, and then I get charged for shipping costs too, and then I get charged for a return shipment cost. So it ends up costing me, you know, a lot more than it should or would or anything. So, Bordeaux being ravaged, being ravaged by bugs. Yeah, and fungal disease. And the fungal disease is grabbing a hold of it, which is causing bugs to come in. Mildew. Excuse me. Mildew is getting into the Bordeaux vineyards. It's expected to cause the harvest to fall by 70% before everything is said and done. Uh, a few of the vineyards that have been spared from the fungal disease, which has been caused by heavy rainfall in the spring. Uh, most of them expect to lose between 20 and 70% of their crop to mildew. That's a lot. 
Purdue winemakers also suffered big losses with their worst harvest since 1945, caused by severe frost, which cut their production by 40% in the, in the spring. I think I said something about that, if you remember. Uh, they had a bad frost in the spring, which hurt their crop tremendously. But uh, even organic wine uh, vines that are treated are developing the disease, and so it's not immune to anything. The uh, Merlot is most prone to mildew in the vineyard, and Cabernet is Cabernet Sauvignon is the worst affected uh, in the non-organic variety. So it is really causing a problem everywhere. A uh, Bordeaux mixture, which contains copper sulfite and slack lime, is most commonly applied, but it's been ineffective once the fungi has become established. And it is established because of all the moistures in the spring. They've never never really got control of it. Uh, they've removed the mildewed leaves to try to stop it from spreading. Then they apply the treatment. And then the rains come again and basically negates everything they've been doing. So it's it's damaged, damaged crops in Bordeaux. The uh, crop is down, which will probably make Bordeaux wines that much more expensive, not because of the quality, but simply because of the lack of grapes that they've uh, been experiencing. Um, so, not a good thing. Not a good thing there. All right, let's do this, and let's look at this next one here. A few things I'm trying to get caught up on. Um, well, that's not there. It was, uh, well, I'm having a problem with this thing working tonight. It's not coming up like it's supposed to. Oh, here we go. Organic, natural, biodynamic. We've got all these. What's next in wines? Well, wine has been popular for centuries, but it's becoming more and more of uh, about sustainability. Uh, big niche categories in organic wines and natural and biodynamic and so they're looking at what's going to be the next big thing in the future uh fair trade that's something that's starting to become talked about a lot in the wine industry fair trade wines the uh, wine grape farming and wine making are time consuming strenuous and labor intensive and so the demand involved in production wine often lead to poor labor standards and living conditions for the small wine grape farmers and the hard labor. Uh, so fair trade standards were created to improve employment conditions and then protect the rights of workers on these big wine grape plantations. The fair trade standards were created to improve employment conditions, protect the rights of workers on wine grape plantations, as well as support small wine grape farmers organizations within supply chains. 
and to increase income. There are currently 42 fair trade wine producer organizations worldwide across South Africa, Chile, Argentina, and Lebanon, representing more than 5,000 farmers and workers. South Africa is the largest producer of fair trade wine globally, with 24 producer organizations and accounts for about two-thirds of fair trade wine sales. Chile also produces a high proportion of fair trade wine, with nine producer organizations in the country. With more than 22.2 million liters of fair trade wine are sold globally every year. In the UK and Ireland, fair trade ranks highest in the Sola Opportunity Index, and I'll tell you what that is in a moment. Fair trade ranks third overall in the Opportunity Index after organic and sustainably produced wines. So, you know, fair trade is becoming the, the next big thing if you're looking at wine. The Sola Wine Opportunity Index. Okay. Using three measures of opportunity, the Solar Index shows which alternative wines have the best opportunities. These three areas of opportunity are awareness, the percentage of people aware of the types of wines, purchase intent, the percentage of people who either seek or buy or would consider seeking to buy the wine type in the future, and affinity, the percentage of people who who think the wine type is right for them. Confusing almost. The top three areas of opportunity, according to the index, are organic, sustainably produced wine, and fair trade wine. However, this varies by market. In the UK, for example, fair trade comes out on top, while in Japan, it is preservative free wine that offers the most opportunity. Whether it's organic, vegan, or biodynamic, all the wines in the index are characterized by a combination of positive desires to make more environmentally responsible and sustainable wine, to give consumers a choice behind the mainstream, and to cater to committed and often vocal Minorities, such as vegan, who are seeking out products that fit their lifestyle choice. This is explained by Luli Halstead, who is the CEO of Wine Intelligence. The 11 markets analyzed by Wine Intelligence with its SOLA index are Australia, Canada, Finland, Germany, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Portugal, Sweden, United Kingdom and the United States. So that's the solar index. Vegan. Hey, yeah. All right, I won't get. I, I, you know, uh, vegan wine. Wines. How can wine not be vegan? Except maybe if you use Ingersoll, which is fish bladder, to clarify the wine, that would be the only thing that might come in contact with to make it not vegan. But otherwise, it's a plant. It's grapes off of a plant. You don't do much of anything to it to cause it. You don't come in contact with any other thing. So a vegan wine, I, I would think, pretty much takes care of all wines. 
And if anyone out there is vegan who disagrees with me, please contact me. I would love to talk to you about it. I'd love to have you on the show and explain to me. I'm not. I'm open to possibilities, but I don't see how wine can be anything but vegan. Okay. I was going to talk about something tonight. I told Mike I was going to spend some time talking about it. But you know, I don't think I am because it's, it's pretty long here. I was going to tell you about the TTB labeling, a, a brief history, and how it struggled over the years to provide consumers with useful information while balancing the need of beverage producers not to have to well, write a book and attach it to every bottle. And it's an interesting article here. It's rather long, though. And so I'm not going to get into it tonight. Uh, I'll put it on top of my list here for next week. And uh, we'll talk about that and get into that next week. Because I was going to do it tonight, but I just glanced down at the clock and got like 10 minutes. So, wow. Another thing on this sustainability here and this... uh, uh, so it has a, a, an interesting little thing here. Do you know you're organic from your biodynamic? Here's some category definitions. If, you know, we've talked about most of these on before, but this is uh, something that you might might look at. Organic. Broadly speaking, organic wine is wine produced from grapes that have been grown organically often without the use of pesticides or other synthetic materials, and where the winemaking methods employed adhere to the rules and regulations of an organic certifying body. Precise definitions vary from market to market. Okay, and that last line there, and if I may editorialize for a moment, that last line has always been a point of contention in organic, not just in the wine industry, but in all industries. It, it does vary. It varies a little bit in markets. Some places allow this chemical, a little bit of this chemical before so much before harvest. Others say no, not at all. Others say, yeah, you can do it, you know, because that's the only way you're going to save your crop. And some say, well, you can spray with this because this is organic you're spraying with anyway. So, it's not going to change the fact that it's organic if you spray it with something organic. There's all sorts of things that are involved in this organic. And it, like I say, it's been, uh, been a point of contention for, for years when it comes to the uh, organic definition. Biodynamic wine. It's an extended version of organic wine, first developed by Ralph Steiner in the 1920s, stimulating health of the vine through homeopathic means, so to avoid disease. Organic principles apply as so some additional practices, such as following the lunar calendar. Though this is, we've talked about biodynamic. We've talked to wineries that were biodynamic. There's one in Mendocino County that we actually talked to that was biodynamic. I've explained to you before and all that. Uh, so if you really want to do it, you can look on the archives and find information, uh, more in-depth information on biodynamic wine. Natural. Farmed organically and made without 
adding or removing anything in the cellar or use of processing aids, heavy manipulation, etc., creates a living line. Okay? That's their definition of natural. Orange and skin contact wine. White wines made in the same way as red wine, in that skins are not removed and left to ferment, often resulting in an orange hue. There are some on the market that are being touted as healthy and good and all that other stuff. So, orange or skin contact wine. Vegan wines, and here you go, is the definition, made without interaction from animal products. Conventional wines may, be, may use fining agents such as uh, icing glass and casein. Well, that's what I said. The only, only time that you would come in contact with anything besides everything that is animal-free would be if you do some filtering fining. Otherwise, it would... Everything would be vegan. Natural and sustainably produced wine. This is generally considered to be produced in an environmentally free manner, such as at a carbon-neutral winery or water and energy efficiency, or using grapes which have been grown with minimum chemical input and an effort to maintain the quality of the land. But, again, there's no consistent definition. Sustainably produced wine is a good catchphrase, but there's nothing that says that everybody can't use that. I, I mean, in reality, there's, there's no rules, regulations, or anything. As opposed to organic, you can get organically certified through the certification process. It takes you about five years, and you can say, I'm organic. But when it comes to sustainably produced. There's nothing out there. Environmentally friendly wine. No definition or certification, but it centers around the concept of green products. And we all have heard of green. Uh, oh, this is environmentally friendly. This is, you know, this is good. Well, when it comes to wine, if you see that on a bottle of wine, don't mean anything. It's just a phrase that's in there to try to try to catch your eye, try to get you to buy it. Basically, it doesn't. It's not a you know, not a true measure of anything. It's just a term that's being used now because of everything else being so quote environmentally friendly. And fair trade wine, we just talked about that a minute ago. Fair trade wine products certified by the Fair Trade International. This is an organization that promotes products that meet social, economic, and environmental standards set by the foundation, including protection of workers' rights and environment. Now, Fair Trade, the Fair Trade International Organization, not only does wine, but they also do a lot of other products. You can get Fair Trade coffee, which everybody's probably heard of lately. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that, plus a lot of other things that they're doing Fair Trade now. So. This joins the long list of fair, tri- fair trade products and fair trade wine. Sulfite-free wine. 
Okay, now this is interesting here. The legal definition of sulfite-free wine under the both EU, European Union, and USA law is a wine containing no more than 10 parts per million total sulfites and 5 parts per million free sulfites. Wine with an excess of 10 milligram per liter must state it contains sulfites on the label. All wines contain some level of sulfites, as sulfur is a natural byproduct from the fermentation process. I'm glad they put that last line on there because many people just think of it as sulfite-free, then there's no sulfites, and, oh, I'm allergic to sulfites, so I can't drink wine. Well, it's not. It's not sulfite-free. And, you know, let's face it, they put sulfites in so many things, you just don't have any idea how much it's in everything. They're saying 10 parts per million. I thought it was 15 parts per million. 10 parts per million is really, really low. And the United States, TTB allows wineries to bring the sulfites up to 300 parts per million. That's the maximum. Nobody does. At 300 parts per million, you can smell it and taste it. It's definitely uh, there. You might not recognize it as sulfites because you're not aware of it, but it, it is there. I... If a wine has too much sulfites, it's just so, so noticeable uh, if you know what you're looking for. But 10 parts per million, they can label it sulfite-free. But, you know, you got to watch other terms. Terms like no detectable sulfites or no sulfites added, things like this. These all... If it says no sulfites added, it could contain any amount of sulfites. They just didn't add some more during fermentation. So these are all things you have to watch. And preservative-free wines typically refers to no added sulfites. And again, you have to watch those terms, too. So Didn't get around to what I wanted to talk about tonight on the TTB labeling laws, but uh, a few things there that I did want to tell you about. So there we go. Good stuff. Um, okay, I was just finishing up the last lines here. Uh, preservative free wines. Okay. Good. Well, we uh, we got a. About a minute or so before the top of the hour, before eight o'clock, and uh, we can we'll go ahead and close the show for this week on uh, September twenty seventh. We will be back on October the fourth at seven p.m. Eastern time, and uh, we'll have another uh, award winning show. <laughs> another award winning show. <laughs> award winning show. That's right. There you go. <laughs> so uh, thanks for tuning always, in and for joining. Always us. nice <laughs> to get those awards. You know. Yes, it is. It is, uh, and um, you can tune us tune into any of the shows on in the archives, of course, and uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And um, we'll see you all uh, on the fourth of October at seven p.m. Eastern wow. time. Thanks a lot. Have a, wow. have a good week. Wow. Thank you all yeah, very much. I know. Like it's done. You know, October. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Christmas start. <laughs> in fact, I was in Sam's Club. <laughs> yesterday and they had all the christmas stuff up it was up everywhere so, <laughs> already yeah already starting yeah, it was, yeah it's starting new. starting new. i was in i was in a i was in a store um a couple of weeks ago 
It was like one of those one of those craft stores, and they had all their ho- their Halloween um, decorations for forty or fifty percent off. <laughs> I said, it's not even Halloween yet. Shouldn't you be uh, you know capitalizing on that? And yeah, it's like <laughs> normally it's like the day after, you know, like all the right, trees right. and everything. Yeah. Lights will be on, you know, marked down and everything. This was already marked down, and it's not even Halloween yet. But they had some really oh good Oh, my stuff. gosh. Um, uh, yeah, 40 uh, to 50% off. Unbelievable. Um, we're going to have to start looking before the holiday to find our discounts, not after. Yeah. That might be it. Yeah, that might be the key to, to doing it. Um, uh, oh, so, wow. all right. <laughs> yeah, we're getting ready. Uh, um, have a good week. Y'all have a good week. Be safe. We'll see you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.